Dubs Hub Podcast. I'm Thomas here with Chris. How you doing, Chris? You know, been better, been worse, but here we are. We are a few days removed from the Golden State Warriors going down to the Lakers in six in the second round. This is the first time the Warriors have been knocked from the playoffs uh, in May since 2014 when the Warriors lost to the Clippers. Um, that was a long time ago. That was the last game of the Mark Jackson era. Um, it was a tough one in LA this, uh, this Friday, the Warriors got blown out by about 20 points. Uh, so we're going to, on this pod, recap game six, recap the Lakers series, uh, give a quick like season overview, talk about what went well, what went poorly, um, and then preview essentially what we're going to be discussing all all of the off season, which is how we can turn this around and turn them back into a contending team. I guess not we, but how the Warriors are going to go about doing that. Um, uh, you know, a lot of big decisions this off season, and we'll dive into that as a quick overview. Uh, but we got you know we got all summer to discuss it, so we're really going to focus on just what happened this year. Um, so, Chris, to, just to kick it off for Game Six. What are your overall thoughts? What do you think? How is this like sort of reflective of the series and the season? You know, dive right into it. Well, we talked about it the last time we recorded a podcast after Game Five. You know, we had a a big win back home to bring it from three one to three two. Vibes yeah. were good. You know, we kind of had some momentum, but when we got down to making predictions and you know saying what we thought was going to happen. We, we were optimistic that they could possibly win, but we were also realistic that, you know, probably the Lakers are going to win just because of how this season's gone. I mean, we've been awful on the road all year. Um, yeah. Haven't been able to put multiple games in a row together. Um, yeah, so I, I wasn't really shocked Friday night. I don't know about you. No, I wasn't shocked. Was like more, I guess I was more shocked in how they went out getting blown out by 20 in game six. They just kind of went out on a really low note. I expected them to have a little more fight. And, you know, it got blown open to a 20-point game later in the fourth quarter. They they kept their distance throughout the game, and it was it was interesting into the fourth quarter when the Lakers pulled away. But it just it didn't feel like the Warriors of the past. It felt like a microcosm of what the Warriors have been all year, which is pretty middling, pretty mediocre. They had shown their championship contending level basketball here and there throughout the season, but then they would have some atrocious games where they looked like one of the worst teams in the league. You know, it was so up and so down all throughout the year. And that carried into the playoffs. Um, The Warriors were faced with a tough opponent in round one with the Kings started off the, uh, that series. Oh, and two in Sacramento, they had to fight their way back. They had an opportunity to wrap that series up in six games at home and completely blew that chance, which forced Steph Curry to step up and drop 50 points in game seven. And that right there set them, set them back for the series against the Lakers. They only had a day of rest in between those two games and just got them off on the wrong foot. We know what happened from there. The Lakers won game one, uh, and stole home court advantage. 
won all their home games uh, from there, and they won in six. That was their plan, and they executed it. So, you know, hats off to the Lakers. They played a great series. Got to give it to them. And it hurts to say as a Warriors fan, I mean, my goodness. Um, Yeah, definitely. And I'll say one thing on this series. It didn't really feel like, so we have Steph versus LeBron, Lakers versus Warriors, but it really didn't feel like that big of a series. I mean, this could just be from the perspective of a Warriors fan where we lost, so it, it doesn't feel that good and we're kind of brushing it off. But it seemed to me the King series was more intense and those games kind of felt like bigger games, maybe because, you know, there was a few blowouts in this series and stuff. Um, yeah, three out know. of the six games were blowouts, basically. Yeah, exactly. And obviously the Kings series went to seven, and it was really intense. But yeah, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a little letdown. And obviously I thought there was going to be some bigger performances. We kind of didn't really get like a signature LeBron game. Um, we didn't really get a signature crazy Steph game I guess maybe like game four he had a really good game and they lost but um yeah and you I mean honestly you could argue game six was the LeBron signature game um he was dominant I I thought yeah he 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 controlled the pace he was pushing all the right buttons in game six he put up 30 points nine assists nine rebounds and he was just kind of everywhere yeah I guess I guess that's a dominant game huh 39 (laughs) Well, you know, for his standard, that's you expect that from him, but maybe not at this age. Yeah, it was. I, I just thought he carried them. AD obviously had his signature game in Game One, where he was absolutely dominant, and that's when they stole home court. So, both their stars showed up on, on different nights to lead them to, to victory. Meanwhile, like Steph Curry was there, he played well throughout the entire series, but he just wasn't getting the support he needed from the role players, and I include like clay and draymond in that sentence just because you know we saw you know clay had a good game in game two draymond green had some good games but they weren't helping burden the load that steph uh, that steph had help sorry help carry the load that steph was burdened with um meanwhile you know the rest of the role players were up and down and mostly down in this series i just felt like and it's not like they aren't capable of it it just didn't happen Warriors missed some open shots. I mean, game six, Clay was not there on Friday night. He was no. he was a shell of himself, to say the least. Three for 19 from the floor. I mean, it was rough because they were wide open, too, a lot of those looks. Oh, um, but yeah. he's he's not the real reason we lost this series. It was it was just sort of an accumulation of of uh, poor play from, from the role players and a Lakers team that's surging. So Yeah, I also and you kind of touched on it on the intro, um, seemed like the Warriors kind of just ran out of gas. I know yeah. they weren't in the best position to end the season, so they really had to, you know, grind to make sure that they weren't going to get into the play-in tournament. Um, whereas, yeah, that's like, going back even a step further, you know? Like, yeah. they set oh. themselves up for failure with their poor record and having to battle out of the play-in. Yeah, I mean, they won f- five out of the last six games. Um really uh eight out of the last 10 games they they won in the season yeah and they had to win all of those because we were we were we were even in trouble of missing the playoffs uh at all that's how crazy the west was towards the end of the season so yeah on the last day yeah we we didn't set ourselves up well um 
for the postseason. The Lakers didn't either, but they handled business in six versus a Memphis team, which in retrospect, um, they probably got an easier first-round opponent than the Kings. The Kings yeah. were very game, played the Warriors really well, um, whereas Memphis kind of, you know, they've had weird problems all year. Jaw just showed another gun on Instagram Live. Yeah. Um, they said Dell yeah, Brooks Le- is Le- never allowed in Memphis again. I know they they are yeah they're falling apart but yeah it for Memphis it's like leadership problems and also injury problems they didn't have the size to match the Lakers because both Brandon Clark and Steven Adams were injured so yeah you're right in retrospect getting the seven seed was better for the Lakers even though they had to play the play-in um, yeah just because and who yeah, knows Kings... I mean, if the Warriors were in the plan we with how the season had gone maybe they lost right? the plan we've seen it happen before so exactly who who knows we might have ended up uh, at as the eighth seed and bounced in the first round to the nuggets who look really good so it, it was it was obviously the right move to shoot uh for the sixth seed and avoid the play-in but at the end of the day like the kings were a tough matchup for us and that set us back against the lakers um meanwhile the lakers had that extra day or two of rest yeah which losing well, and then lo- and then that caused us to lose game one and then that set us back you know that's like, what i was gonna say i think that court. was a was, big factor yeah. in us losing game one i think if the yeah. lakers had the same amount of rest effect. Yeah. yeah and then i mean and i think we could have gotten over it if we had won game four which we were really close to doing but that yeah. loss you know maybe in previous warrior seasons like if we had kd still or the younger steph teams where clay was still pre-injury we could have came back from the 3-1 like we did in okc but man this team just did not have the gas to pull that off even if we won in la it's like okay you play 36 hours later you gotta show up with seven guys again it's just a microcosm of the season as a whole we just just didn't have enough dudes no didn't have enough dudes kerr never really found his rotation it felt like and even you know in the lakers series he tinkered a little bit but settled on you know a seven of the starting five plus like Gary Payton and Moses Moody and Jordan Poole here and there so I guess that's eight but regardless you know in the Kings series other people other players were getting more minutes he was still figuring it out like Dante I guess contributed but he fell out of the rotation at times and in the regular season he was riding with different guys like Anthony Lamb and Kuminga more so it's just sort of a confusing season all around where it didn't feel like we found our we ever had good footing you know it was constantly scrambling to to patch up the leaks on the ship um yeah and you know i mean i guess we can just shift kind of to the the season as a whole because i think a lot of the issues that played out in the regular season were apparent not even just in this lakers series but also in the king series i mean we blew a game six at home where we could have just shut out the Kings. And that was huge. I mean, like we got, didn't we get blown out in that game? Yes. Blown. Yeah. Out. Like, you know, that's just an awful mistake. And which maybe caused us the Lakers series was not being able to take care of business at home when, you know, I don't know. Awful. So exactly. yeah, we can just go over some of the themes of the season that we saw that, that also played out in the playoffs. I mean, I think a big one, obviously, you know, there's stuff we'll st- uh, we'll touch on like the vibes around the team, kind of the record and whatnot. But I really think this season it was Steph 
and then there was no really an established number two. Like last year, we saw when Clay was out, Jordan stepped up in his starting role. They started out 18 and two. He was, yeah. you know, scoring efficiently, scoring a lot over 20 points. Um, and then, you know, we saw Wiggins have good stretches where he was scoring. Um, this year, just via injuries and kind of roster construction, there was no really consistent number two the entire year. I wouldn't even know who to say was like the second best player this season. I guess Draymond, but I'm just thinking from an offensive perspective, like who do you think was the second best offensive I mean, player for I, the Warriors? I think the second best offensive player was Clay, and you know, Clay had some great moments during the regular season. Steph was injured a few times, and he and Jordan Poole won us some games, kept us at 500. Like, that was huge. But at this stage in Clay's career, Clay shouldn't be the number two scoring option on a team. I think that's just on a contending team, that is. I think that's just he he's past that now. He needs to be the third option behind Andrew Wiggins, who yeah. missed a bunch of time. And is he's more you know Andrew is more consistent than Clay. He can't explode like Clay can. He can't shoot like Clay can. But he can attack the paint. He can hit those mid range jumpers. He can put pressure on the rim and knock down open threes. And I just think the offense needs to shift more towards that and a little bit farther away than Clay putting up like twenty shots a night. Basically, he needs to take like five fewer shots per night. Understand that he's like the third option and will get those open looks when the offense is a well-oiled machine and flowing correctly. I just thought that that was a big problem for this team. And really, it was like that last year when we won the championship. But because we were so successful and won the championship, things didn't change. And Clay felt like he was back and he needed to prove that and and be his all-star self rather than sort of adjust his game and become more of the role player type type of shooting and defending wing that the Warriors really need. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on Clay and, and that situation? Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of you said. And um, I thought he actually had a good season. Now that I'm looking back, I know that there were some games where he really carried the load offensively. Yeah. And he led the NBA in, in the amount of three-point shooting for this year. Um, which like three-pointers made. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, got to 300 awesome. for the first time in his career. Like he had a pretty good regular season. He was just up and down in the playoffs and you could tell like his body wasn't wasn't able to keep up with the number of games that they squished into like No, it was two crazy. Or three it was there. every every yeah. other day for like a month straight and no real like it's funny the roster was constructed. We have a bunch of dudes who are 6'3" But no real yeah. guard depth, like, at all. I mean, it was Steph Clay, but just with Poole not being able to show up, Dante kind of going away, it's like, hmm, no real guard depth back there. But um, it's just funny. I'm looking at the regular season stats. Who do you think yeah. was the fifth highest scorer for the Warriors this year? Per game. Points per game. Per game, fifth highest scorer. So I guess first is going to be Steph, second's going to be Clay, third will be Poole, then probably Wiggins. <sighs> Dante DiVincenzo? No. Mm. 
I don't know if I have that answer. Then. <laughs> Anthony Lamb? No. Who is it? It's Kaminga was our fifth highest points per game wow. score. And he didn't even see the floor in these playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, like I said in kind of previous podcasts, I'm kind of relieved that this season's over. Um, yeah. Just looking back in like previous seasons, obviously we've been locked in on the Warriors for a long time now. Um, this was probably one of the more frustrating and not enjoyable seasons we've had in a long time. I know during like yes. COVID, you and I were living together and we watched that um, 2020 season where they were 15 and 50. And watched every single game of that yeah, pitiful and season. That season honestly was more enjoyable to me than this season. Just because once once we it was clear it was over, it was like, all right, who do we have here that we can use in the future? And yeah, um, and also yeah. just like, I don't know, man. You can, it's the energy from the team. Like, didn't really seem like anyone was happy this year. The owner, the GM, the coach, the players, just some really awful performances, terrible games that we lost. Um, you know, just notes in the media of people like not happy with their role, not happy with their time. I don't know. Best just, the best thing that happened all year was the team not leaking why Andrew Wiggins had to sit out for two months. Like yeah. that was a great success for the team because they leaked the Jordan Poole punching incident. They leaked in the playoffs that GP two was going to start um, as a big switch for the Warriors against the Lakers. And Steve Kerr was not happy about that. He was questioning openly in the media how how the starting lineup that he wanted to keep secret got leaked to national reporters. That's just ridiculous, you know? They like, also leaked was, that um, yeah. Poole, Kaminga, Dante weren't happy with their roles. Um, you know, it was leaked in the middle of the year that Bob Myers was... Uh, his contract is running up at the end of June and it, he's unsure about his future. I mean, that was probably a story that was going to come out anyway, but still it was just all part of the weird underlying tension in the organization throughout the season. Yeah. And we honestly, I mean, I had high hopes for the season. Obviously we just won the championship last year. And then I, in the preseason we went over to like China and or was it japan, japan. And, we were in japan um you know we dominated the wizards and honestly after those games i remember on twitter and everyone was talking like wow they have all these veterans but wiseman's looking really good they got kaminga moody like there was a lot of positive around the warriors um before the yeah before the pool punch situation everything that was being like reported on by uh, some of the main beat reporters and and opinion writers who cover the Warriors was that I think th this is a real quote essentially from from those early days that this team is the deepest Warriors team in the entire dynasty run. Yeah, like Joe Lacob said that. Yeah, that's what he was like peddling to the media and and the reporters were echoing. Yes, I mean, and it was so that was those were the no, vibes Joe Lacob said of, that it's the most yes. talented roster that they've ever had. Like right, up okay. and down the roster. And, Deepest and talented. Know, yes, and we clearly saw that that was not true. Probably um, the least deep and the least talented <laughs> we've had in years. Part part of the issue from the beginning with that, too, is that they leaned even further into the 
like quote unquote two timeline plan where you have a bunch of aging veterans, which is the core of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and then you lean into some of the younger guys to fill out the rest of the roster, like Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, and they still had James Wiseman at that time. They then drafted two rookies, Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins, and gave them guaranteed contracts on the roster. So I think it was, what, like five or six guys under the age of 23 on the roster. uh, I think more than that. Team that's... It's a team that's trying to compete. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, they didn't re-sign Gary Payton the second. They just made a bunch of blunders and didn't acknowledge it, and then it became clear as the regular season unfolded where we started 3-7, and seven, had to completely ball out to work our way back to 10-10. and 10. And it's interesting, I was looking back at the regular season. So, yeah, we started 3-7. and seven. We, went, we kind of worked our way back to 10-10. and 10. We worked our way evenly to 20 and 20 continued with that 50 or that 500 winning percentage to 30 and 30 and then ended the season a little bit better at 44 and 38 so started to find some rhythm but it it just wasn't there it wasn't enough for the for the playoff run they had set themselves back too far and it was clear you know even in the Kings series right like we were optimistic because we trust the guys we trust Steph Curry, Clay and Draymond it just you know and we were sort of delusional in that way right like i mean not even delusional it was just you can't count count them out until you see it happen yeah. we saw it happen and now we can openly discuss like all right this is something that hasn't happened in almost 10 years there were huge issues and we need to acknowledge those and fix those uh the organization needs to, like has a lot of things to do this summer so yeah definitely i mean i think Kind of where the season was lost. I mean, obviously the West was so neck and neck that, you know, win three games in a row, you can jump from the nine to the two seed. But yeah. that five-game stretch where we lost to Charlotte, Detroit, Miami, Orlando, and New Orleans was just, just disgusting. Awful. I mean, we had everyone healthy, too. It's not like Steph was out and everyone was hurt. That was the full team. And we just lost terrible games. Yes. And that was the first road trip of the year. Uh, And I believe that last game against New Orleans, we didn't even play our main guys. We just punted that game after going 0-5 or 0-4 to start the road trip. Yeah. We just say, all right, you know what? We're not even going to try on this game. And we started all of our bench players. It was also, you know, another big major red flag was how often – Steve Kerr had to play our two-way guys, Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb. I mean, those guys played a lot of minutes this offseason, or this regular season, almost 20 minutes per game, I think. Um, And he was leaning into them out of necessity, not because they're real rotation NBA players on a contending team. Like, no disrespect to those guys. They they should be, I think, like role players on, on NBA teams. They're good. They were some of the better two-way guys in the NBA. But on a team that's looking to win a championship, that's horrible. No, horrible. And I thought a, a massive stretch, especially for the young guys, was when um, I think that, was it Draymond got hurt? Or someone got hurt, like Wiggins was gone, Draymond got hurt, and then just when spots were opening up in the rotation – 
Wiseman sprained his ankle in practice and Kaminga got hurt in a game. So they weren't yeah. able to come in and fill those holes. So that kind of led to when we, you know, activated Lamb and Jermichael Green got that like nasty infection too. So it just, you know, in the regular yeah, there season, was, there was a huge opportunity for the yeah. young guys to prove themselves and they immediately got injured and weren't able to capitalize on it. So everything was going wrong. Just a, just a rough season. Um, and then again, like we had this terrible season, but I think if things played a little better in the playoffs, I don't see why the Warriors couldn't have won the championship this year. I mean, there's no team really running away with the league. I guess the Nuggets are looking really good. Well, I think the Lakers are a bad matchup for them, so we'll see. But um, I don't know, man. Just a, just a pretty mediocre-filled NBA season. And when you have a prime Steph Curry playing as good as he's ever played, um, kind of sucks to see that season just go by the wayside when we saw issues that were apparent since the beginning of the season. And uh, credit to them, you know, they made a move off Wiseman, which took a lot of um, guts to admit that you blew the second pick and you traded him for a, a 30-year-old who's played one year in the NBA. Um, and was already on your roster. <laughs> yeah. So and you let you know, him walk away. Exactly. Yeah, no. Admitting that defeat, but, you know, just kind, of, just kind of a disappointing season where, you know, I thought if they played their, their cards better that um, they could have self, self, set themselves up more. 100%. That's what's so frustrating about this, too. It's it, There's no dynastic team out there that is you know, blocking the road to uh, the, the Warriors' repeat chances. Like, the Nuggets are really good. The Celtics are pretty pretty damn good. You know, even the Bucks before they got bounced were real contenders. That I don't think the Warriors could have beaten them in the finals. You know, it, it was but, you know, other than those teams, there was no one that really scared me that much. The Warriors meanwhile still have a top yeah, easily top 5 player in the NBA. You could argue higher than that in Steph yeah. Curry, who's still in his peak form. Draymond Green was on the all NBA defensive second team this year again. He's still looking very, very good. Klay Thompson, like we touched on, had a really good regular season. They're not the same players that they were in the peak years, but they're still good enough to be like the core of a championship team. So it was really just making mistakes around the edges and not having the right mentality in the locker room, which you have to criticize Draymond for for kicking off the season in a horrible way um, but that clearly wasn't the only thing holding holding back the locker room um, it no. was just overall overall they couldn't get it together they if they had started you know let's say the let's say the Draymond Green punch happens still but they come out and they start seven and three instead of three and seven I really think that things would have been different because you know it was it was all the madness around them, but if they had come out and just started to win games, that storyline would have been lost. Instead, it was continuously talked about, you know, when you have to discuss the Warriors, how, why they're struggling, well, think about how the season started. So yeah. it was a lack of winning on top of the bad energy just from the jump that really set this, set this team back. And yeah, just disappointing because... Another wasted year of Steph Curry's prime. He doesn't have that many more in him, right? Like, what do we think? Like, 
three more years of this level. Oof. Or that's, you know, he'll he'll that's a lot. Um, he'll decline. I mean, we have next year. I don't think he'll be done after that. I no, think at I, least two more years of of like a top ten player in the NBA. Yeah, I think probably next season is probably going to be our best chance to um, get another yeah. one before Steph is done, just because of you know Clay's decline, Draymond's decline, um, and not and not like, like we're saying he's going to be done in as an NBA player, but no, just no. done being the type of player that can lead you to a championship. Yeah, right. and there's also some other things too, like the money aspect. You know, how many more years is Lakeup going to want to pay an insane amount of tax, as well as the new CBA rules where um, it kind of penalizes repeater tax teams even more now um, with the tools that they can use and stuff like that. So I yeah. would say, you know, next year is probably our, um, I wouldn't say our last chance, but definitely you know another good offer yeah our best chance you know i'm just i think it's going to be a really interesting off season there kind of hasn't been in recent memory like an off season where a lot of big decisions needed to be made um you know we've kind of always had the core and then in the summer of 2016 we got a huge signing obviously which was kd um and then we had all those years and the year he left you know, he was injured anyway, so we were kind of, and Clay was injured as well. We didn't really have any options or reasons to be really aggressive. We were just kind of waiting on his decision if he was going to leave or stay. Um, That's what they thought. I personally thought, you still have Steph Curry and Draymond Green. You need to be going for it. But that's not how they operated in that offseason. They yeah. said this is a, they, they basically said this is a tank year. You know, let's go get like a lottery pick. And I don't think they they didn't obviously expect Steph to get hurt and miss the entire season and we get a top three pick, but yeah, um, I I just they they started off uh, that that regular season with the wrong mindset. Um, so yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, so we we haven't really seen a super aggressive summer. Even um, the summer right. before last season, you know, we had that season where we lost in the playing tournament to Memphis. And we kind of came back with a similar team. I mean, Clay was out that whole year, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had another year of pool. Only the real additions were, you know, Bielitsa and the return of Andre. You know, we had Damian Lee return, Juan return. Um, we signed Gary as, like, the 15th man later on in the season. And Otto Porter, I guess, was, like, our big free agent signing. But he was kind of yeah. a flyer just because he'd been so injured. So I, it's kind of exciting for a Warriors fan, you know, to see what They're an aggressive creative, summer though. will be. Yeah, creative, aggressive, you know, they, they got to do something. <laughs> yeah, but just because just because of the uh, difficult circumstances around the CBA and how the Warriors are allowed to operate – it's going to be tough. Like they can't just go out and sign like the best free agent on the market outright. Right. They're, they're so far over the tax. They no, it's can, only they minimums, will, right. They'll only be able to sign minimum level contract free agents and they can only then make trades where the salary math works out. So, um, you know, we'll dive a little deeper into the off season content, yeah. you know, this week and next maybe. So, uh, 
a lot of time to talk about that, especially, you know, we still have the draft after the NBA finals occurs and some time before free agency kicks off. So a lot of opportunity there, but yeah, they, before then the Warriors are going to have to, um, well, they have an opportunity to make a decision on, on extending Draymond Green, who, you know, he has a player contract or sorry, a player option for his contract next season where he would be paid $27.5 million, but that's his last year of his deal. I expect the Warriors to extend him through at least 2025. He has said openly that he doesn't really want to play past the age of 35, and he's 33 next year. So I think the Warriors should and will extend him for the next basically three years. Yeah, uh, so we'll get. Th- I think I think that's the most likely scenario. Uh, it's possible he takes a, a pay cut of some sort just to stick around and ride it out for the rest of his career. Uh, that'll help the Warriors' tax situation as well. They also are now able to ex- have extension conversations with Clay Thompson. He's going into his last season uh, on on his current deal. With uh, he'll be making forty three million dollars, which is incredible, an incredible amount of money. Um, so I, you know, he doesn't have any sort of option. So like he's going to be making that next year. But he, I think he expects or he expected to receive a max offer or close to it. And so it's going to be an interesting dynamic for that conversation. And it also depends, you know, who's going to be having that conversation. Bob, like we mentioned earlier, Bob Myers, his GM contract, uh, his deal is up at the end of uh, June this year. So he has about a month and a half to make a decision. He should... He's going to have to make one before then, essentially, because the draft, uh, I believe, is before the end of uh, the, before the end of June, and you know, off-season planning as well is happening is, is ramping up now. So he's going to have to make a, a choice pretty soon. There have been, I'll just say real quickly, there have been some reports that if he does choose to leave, the Warriors would probably try to promote internally. And the most likely option would be Mike Dunleavy Jr., former Warrior, of course. Um, and you know, we'll see if we'll see if it gets to that. But what do you think about the Bob Meyer situation? Because I think that that's the first big domino that's going to have to fall uh, for the Warriors this offseason. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're going to get into kind of a lot of the sequential. Um time of events for what's going to happen with the Warriors, um, you know, with Bob and then the deadlines to kind of dream on accept yeah. his player option and extensions and then what they'll do with the draft pick and everything. Um, but like you said, the first domino to fall is Bob Myers. I kind of really don't have a feel on this. I have, I've heard a lot of differing reports. Um, if I had to guess, I would say he's going to leave just you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's been a lot of rumblings that he's looking to do something different. But in saying that, it's kind of hard to tell Steph Curry in his prime no. Um, So I could see it going either way. But if if I had to put money on it, I would say that he's he's probably going to get out of here. What do you think on that? Interesting. I I think he's going to stay just because the, the core three guys don't want to split up. And Steve yeah. Kerr is not leaving, so like the the main pieces of this dynasty are still around and still so, looking to win. Someone's gonna have to be first, though, and you never see it coming. 
yeah, you never see it coming. We'll, we'll see. Um, I don't know. I just, it, it could be him. It could absolutely be him. But yeah, he, a- he has the choice and he, you know, he started his podcast already. Like he's, he's clearly setting himself up. He was doing sports center hits throughout during the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's know. not something a, a GM who is locked into his job is is really doing, huh? No, I've never seen yeah. a GM with a podcast before. Right. Um, but yeah, man, I it's I know that you know a lot of people not look forward to the off season, but the off season is an exciting time. You know, free agency oh, yeah. is obviously one of the hugest you know content creation things for nba fans i know twitter is insane during those days um yeah so we're gonna be for sure locked in for when the season's over the you know free agent market draft lotteries coming up like you said that that's big um for yeah possible that's tomorrow i wanted to just yeah, yeah, yeah so the lottery's tomorrow this is the uh this is where they choose you know the positioning of of the nba draft and clearly this year is hugely consequential for the league and then the teams who are contending for the number one pick because Victor Wembanyama, one of the best NBA prospects to ever exist. I mean, legit, like yeah. he, he's the type of, he's the type of guy that comes around like once every 20, 30 years, like, like LeBron James, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, where it's just so clear. He has massive, massive star all-time potential we'll see if he lives up to it right like it's it's always tough to have those expectations coming in but the dude is special and uh the top few teams uh, all vying for it you know Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland and Orlando also have decent odds to land the number 1 pick if they do get that number 1 pick uh, it really will affect like trade partners potential trade partners for the warriors if they choose to kind of shuffle up their roster a bit like let's say some some of the younger guys are available like Kuminga, Moody or Poole it would make a huge difference if a team like Orlando or Portland landed the number one pick versus a team like Houston because they would be you know Portland let's say with with Damian Lillard he gets Victor Wembanyama on his team he's gonna want to contend immediately with that guy despite the fact that he's a rookie We'll see if they can actually pull that off, but that would mean like that that team's looking to wheel and deal, and they have some potential role players that the Warriors would be interested in. Um, have to take a look like deeper on deeper in uh, on the rosters throughout the off season, but I just think it's going to be a consequential night tomorrow. So yeah, for sure, and that's exciting. Um, and then obviously we'll see how the rest of the playoffs um, wind wind out. I mean, I think. The Bucks losing in the first round, you know, could could have some consequences. Like you said, the Blazers not making it, the Raptors yeah. not making it. Um, you know, early exits lead to organizations wanting to make changes, and that's no different with kind of the Warriors situation that happened this year. Um, and I think that there's kind of a lot of disappointed teams from this season and a season that was so open. So Sixers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely be around for the content, probably a little, a little less than how we were doing in the playoffs. But like you said, there's the draft lottery, um, then free agency and stuff. You and I will also be at summer league this year, uh, to check out, you know, probably, 
you know, Ryan Rollins, PBJ, um, maybe the 19th pick in the draft for the Warriors. So that'll be a lot of yeah. fun. We'll, we'll have some content from that. Um, and yeah, and just stay locked in to the, to the Twitter feed. The Substack will we'll be having some articles coming out over the summer as well. So, yeah, man, anything you want to add? I guess just like last thing, you know, the playoffs are still happening. Uh, the Western Conference Finals is Nuggets versus Lakers, like we've said, and on the Eastern side, it's Celtics versus Heat. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on those series? Who you got in the NBA Finals? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, bubbles, bubble uh, redo three years later. Um, yeah, of, of both sides. I mean, last year yeah. the Celtics and Heat matched up too, but they weren't calling it the bubble rematch. No, and that's. I think we know why. I think we know why. It's because yeah. this is late Lakers propaganda. They want to make sure that the bubble is legit. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, so thinking about it, I mean, obviously in the East, my mind's telling me that the Celtics are going to win. But, man, this Heat team, like, they are not good. But they <laughs> beat the Bucks and they destroyed the Knicks. And historically, they've played the Celtics really well. Even going back to last year, I mean, one Jimmy Butler three away from beating them in a series. They were the and, one seed last year, too, though. They were a better team, for sure. Yeah, um, but I think the Celtics were a better team last year as well. Yeah. Um, so, they'll play a really great game, and then they'll play a really awful game. I think that one, the Celtics probably win in six. I think it's kind of the end of the road for the Heat. Um, and then on the West side, the, like I said again, you know, my mind is telling me the Nuggets, just because they've been a way more consistent team all year, and they have the best player in the series, but I don't know. This Lakers team seemed like they found some traction and found lineups that work and know what players, you know, to use, something the Warriors couldn't have said this year. Um, so I could see either team winning that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be a Nuggets Celtics finals. What do you what do you think? Ooh, I thought you were gonna pick the Lakers. You've been you've been more <laughs> pessimistic about the Nuggets chances. Yeah. Um I mean, I, I personally think the Nuggets are underrated still, despite the fact that they just wiped out you know a tough Suns team in six and absolutely dominated them in game six. Uh, and then, you know, I think they swept or gentlemen sweep, had a gentleman sweep of the, uh, of the T-Wolves in the first round. And I just, I really think the Nuggets are, are going to prove themselves to be the contenders that I think they are in this series, you know. Lakers could prove me wrong, though. They have been surging. They're feeling really good since the trade deadline when they moved off Russell Westbrook and upgraded that roster with guys like Vanderbilt and D'Lo. Um, they, they've been very impressive. So it's going to be a fun series, but I, I do think the Nuggets are going to win as well. On the Eastern side, I'm, I'm honestly kind of leaning towards the Heat. I, <laughs> Let's go. I think, I don't know what it is, man. Like I, The Celtics are good. And they have the best player in the series and Jason Tatum, who had a really, really great Game 7 on Sunday. But I don't know. I think the Heat have found something. And, you know, they, they play a pretty shallow rotation. They rely heavily on their main guys, and but their main guys are, are working. The fact that they beat the Bucks in 7 is incredible. I mean, I, I also expected them to beat the Knicks. I just thought, like, I don't know. The Knicks were okay. They beat the Cavs. They looked good, but I didn't think they were that good of a team. And I don't think Tibbs is that great of a coach anymore, honestly. 
think he's sort of stuck in the past with a lot of what he does. Uh, but Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA. If, uh, he, it's like he and Steve Kerr, essentially. And uh, I just, I don't know. I'm right. I'm feeling the heat magic. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. They they beat the Bucks, who I thought was the best team in the NBA. So yeah, beating the Celtics, they they destroyed the Bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously disappointed that the Warriors aren't into it. But I think both matchups are kind of fun. I I enjoy watching the Nuggets. I don't really enjoy watching the Celtics, but this Heat, I'm kind of going to tune into this series just because I want to see if the Heat can do it. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be locked in, you know, watching that, probably commenting on Twitter with that. But like like we said, man, yeah, we will have some off-season content. Kind of looking forward to it. Like we said, it's a new challenge for the Warriors team is to, you know, decide if they're going to shake some things up we've never really seen them do you know a really big trade with players that are on their team you know they traded for um like D'Lo when Kevin that was like the biggest trade honestly exactly and then we traded for Wiggins um mid-season um but he that was for D'Lo, who wasn't really established in our team, we've never really seen the Warriors trade like an established player from their team. They've either like retired or you know left in free agency like KD, but we've we've never seen that before. So it, it's exciting. I'm excited to like dive into it more and you know talk to you about it and write some articles about it. So it should be a fun time. Yeah, gonna be a fun off season. Big decisions to be made. Looking forward to it and yeah excited for summer league too it'll be our first time at summer league uh at least mine you were there for one day last year right yeah yeah i saw um the warriors game i saw that first game where i think the first play was like a kaminga to wiseman pick and roll and wiseman threw down a huge dunk um nice yeah it was fun to see because i mean they had a good squad they had moody kaminga wiseman so that was a lot of fun to watch so yeah we're definitely excited for that um Yeah, man. We'll check in with you guys soon. All right. Catch you next time.